Hello everyone and welcome back to a new episode of Women Talk Tech. Today I'm joined by Isabel, investor at Seed and Speed, and in this episode we discuss seasonality in the VC world. Isabel shares her insights on timing and how when you apply can impact a founder's funding application. We then went on to discuss how to apply, the pros and cons of warm intros, and how you can leverage LinkedIn for your funding application. Lastly, Isabel shares her advice on how to approach the very first call. She shares how to make an investor see the true value of your company and the biggest mistake founders make on that first call, and of course, how to avoid it. I hope you enjoy this conversation. So, Isabel, tell me a little bit more about yourself. Yes. Um, hi, and thank you for the invite also. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm Isabel. I'm um, 27 years old um, and I'm an investor from Berlin. I work at a early stage VC here in Berlin, focusing on pre-seed and seed uh, startups. And um, yeah, I've been in the investment team for like a little over two years now. Um, I'm coming from a business background, let's say. So I have like some experience um, in consulting. I've worked at different startups, more on the operation side. So I'm when I'm assessing, you know, startups and conducting my the investment process, uh, I do look at startups from a business point of view more. Um, and yeah, you know, two siblings, no pets from Berlin originally. <laughs> um and yeah i must say like i love the 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 startup and vc ecosystem here from berlin i think it's so um multicultural and like so diverse also at least to some extent um there's a lot of room for improvement also but um yeah i think we're going towards the right direction yeah, no, I mean, that's one thing I do also think about it. Berlin. It's definitely a lot more multicultural than other cities. And yeah, just in the startup scene, there's so many different variety of startups, like different ideas, things that I never would think about. So yeah, really, really cool. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, and what does diversity and inclusion mean to you? And we'll get into more detail in the podcast, right? But just, you know, very briefly, what does it mean to you? And, and why do you think it's important? Yes, yes. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm from Berlin, so... I do have the, let's say, um, national background um, that a lot of other VCs and startup founders here from the from the area have. However, you know, I am a woman and I'm still also more junior, let's say. Um, and I think for me, especially the the perspective is a lot on the gender equality um, side. However, I also, you know, my mom is from um or my granddad is actually from is afro-american so i don't look totally german i would say people think i'm like you're from spain or italy <laughs> most of the times um but um yeah i think for me it's especially from this like gender perspective that is you know i'm usually the only woman in a call like yeah um, i think almost like you know every call i attend i'm the only woman or there's at least like maybe like or maximum one other one other person that is female um not talking about people that you know um identify completely different i think that is something that i don't experience at all actually or almost you know um, in the whole in the whole vc and eco startup ecosystem um however i think it's so important um 
on so many different levels you know of course also on like um how you think about investment opportunities um in general i think um from a vc kind of perspective you know when you assess companies you tend to let's say group think yeah you know i think you um have you come from when you have a diverse team you come and you come from different backgrounds you also have different experiences that help you in assessing the company you're 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 assessing you know and you also have different approaches to you know problem solving or um alternative approaches also in your decision or different approaches in your decision making also and what you know helps you to come to a specific decision um Additionally, also, of course, you bring other skills to the table, you bring different knowledge to the table, you have, you know, also some form of different, let's say, approach or creativity in solving challenges. I think it's, you know, so important on so different and such a broad level, let's say. Um, and I think also, of course, in you know, softer factors, let's say, you know, like your employee retention and your, the brand you're building, you know, your reputation as a VC, but also, of course, as a, as a startup in the end of the day, um, where this also leads to, you know, I think in the end, creating better solutions as a startup when you have, you know, different approaches, you identify different blind spots, yeah. um, as a as a startup and um i think actually also the data proves that you know having a diverse team also has direct effect on you know your top line and bottom line revenues and you know your your financial performance at the end of the day so i think it's i think there is such a huge amount of factors that that show that it is super important and that is why it's also so like meaningful to me yeah no I love that and I think you're so right it's, it's like the different perspective it's, it's a different viewpoint it's like how you actually view different aspects in different ways I think like you know say for me and you we would view different things in different ways or you would see an, an investment opportunity where I may not and vice versa and that's really based on our upbringing our culture our background and that's why it's so important to have so many different people in the room when decisions are being made Yes, yes, yes. And you're building also like, I think you're question when you come from a different background, you question also different things, right? I, I have that even in my private life when I talk to, you know, people from from other countries, from other backgrounds, from other, you know, even like when they studied like different kind of subjects, yeah. they you, I mean, your surrounding forms who you are and how you, how you you know, assess problems and how you question the, you know, how you view the, your overall surrounding, right? So I think this, this is totally necessary and helpful and also needed in a team and also to perform good as an investment firm and as a startup in the end of the day. Yeah. And that's why I do think for startups, it is really important and so valuable because 
as a startup, you see so many different problems, you tackle so many different issues. And if everyone's been to the same university, the same school, then you're going to see the problem in the exact same way. Whereas having a different, you know, different people in your team, you can then tackle it and also solve different problems that will also arise. Yes, yes. I think this is also something where VCs and where me especially um or we as an invest like as a vc fund also focus on you know looking at when we assess teams like founding teams that they're not coming you know from all the um from the same university with the same studies with the, the same age same background but yeah. we really want them to have diverse perspectives and also to be like complementary you know tackling the problem that they're trying to solve Yeah, yeah, definitely. And honestly, really excited to kind of dive into the topic of today's podcast uh, on applying for funding and like seasonality in the VC world, because I must admit, it's something which I know quite little about. I can see different trends just from my own experience in the startup scene. Mm -hmm. But yeah, very mm -hmm. kind of keen to see from your side, like, yeah, I guess let's kick things off. Like, when do you think is the right time to apply for funding? Um, yes. Yeah, keen to see what your thoughts are. Yeah, I mean, I think we have the perfect timing because it's just yeah. before. <laughs> and um, I think, um, you know, it totally depends on, on where you're coming from, what kind of um, what kind of funding you're you're looking to raise, honestly. And I think um, also what, uh, you know, time of the year you're applying, because when is the right time the question is so like you know of course also broad in terms of like how much money do you need how much money do you still have you know how much pressure you have on raising your funds because funding fundraising processes can like literally take up to you know from six months but even more you know so i think it really um depends i think generally saying it's always helpful to have you know enough runway enough cash on the bank that you don't have to settle for less that you don't have pressure to close your round asap so you have to you don't want to go with an investor that you're not comfortable with right so i think you don't want to also settle for less favorable terms from from your side so i think it's always good to have that extra buffer let's say um that you know when you are applying you're still like in your comfort zone and you have also maybe a fallback mechanism that you can you know trigger um when things are not going as as planned right so I think when you're coming from a pressure perspective, I think this is never, never a good yeah. start point. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think it's also, you know, then sometimes it also happens that your fundraising, you know, your, your or the funds you're trying to raise don't come, don't end up with the amount you were envisioning to raise. Um, and then you also have to adjust, you know, your, your business plan, all your, you know, your overall, like, perspective for the next years maybe and I think this is also not something you're you're wanting to achieve right so I think it's always good to have a little bit of an extra buffer independently from the time you're you're approaching funds right mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that that of course makes sense. And and I guess on the kind of topic of season seasonality uh, and timing, what how does this affect like, you know, a founder's uh, funding application? You know, let's say I apply now for funding. Um, 
is it likely I'm going to get seen in this time? Like, you know, in terms of timing, how much of an effect does it actually have? Yeah, I think generally, I think the effect is not to be underestimated. So I think timing has a huge effect from also different perspectives, right? I think this is also something, you know, that varies from availabilities generally, you know, like now it's just before holiday season. So I think during Christmas, for example, although not everybody, you know, celebrates Christmas, but there is some form of holiday for for almost everybody, I believe. So um, people, you know, want to spend time with their families and not, you know, having to, like, don't want to work. Yeah. <laughs> so I, think, um, I think this is like, you know, something that you should keep in mind. But also I think um, during maybe like the summer holiday season, um, I think people are also tend to be, you know, tend to go on vacation during at least where we are, like in, in Germany, you know, people go on vacation during August um, most of the times um, or maybe also, you know, thinking about people that have children. I think there's like, you know, um, school holidays that are at specific times where people are, you know, tend to be less reachable, let's say. But then also, you know, generally, um, in terms of, you know, general workload and um, distractions, this can vary from, you know, big events that are taking place, you know, no, now during November, there was like Slash and Web Summit that are like huge um, investor uh, fairs, let's say. Um, and I think then people are, people are also off um, or not off, but busy with, with other with things um then you know i think there's also like a fundraising season where you know vc funds raise their funds so they also tend to be busy with you know getting lps on board um i think you know if you have any insights on let's say team restructurings right i think this is also something that you know you should take into account if you know that they are you know currently you know restructuring their team or i don't know like some partners left at some fund and they kind of have to get new people on board um or you know i think also um from from a distraction kind of uh, generally from a distraction kind of angle but then also timing can have like a like a positive effect, let's say, when you're a company that tackles like, you know, let's say a current hot topic in quotes, you know, that are in everybody's mouth and you're actually a company that is really, you know, targeting that exact topic that is all over the news. This yeah. can hold like, you know, like a really positive effect on your on your funding application, let's say. Um or, you know, sometimes you know that or you see that a fund is like um, releasing the deep dive into a specific topic, right? They're, you know, publishing an article on Medium or a mapping that they, you know, did over the last couple of months. Um, that gives you like an insight on your on the expertise they're like, you know, building, they have built, they're currently building. Um, and if you're a company that is, also, for example, you know, um, targeting that vertical or that space that this fund is yeah. looking at currently. And this can also have a really huge, you know, like a huge positive effect 
on your application, right? Um, and of course, insider info yeah. <laughs> it always helps. You know, if you if you know somebody that knows somebody, and they and they know that this fund is currently looking at I don't know battery recycling uh, strategies or uh, mechanisms. Um, I think this can also help, of course, right? Yeah. So I think generally it has a huge. The timing does have a huge effect from all different perspectives, negative and positive. Um, and I think for you as a founder, um, it always helps to get as much info as possible to know when the right timing is for you personally, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. And I think Christmas is one of those times of year where everyone does take time off. I think summer's one where, like, yes, people do, but not everyone takes the same week off in August, right? But Christmas, especially, like, whether you celebrate it or not, the company sometimes shuts down, etc. So it's, it's interesting. Yes, yes. You know, like we at Seed and Speed, like we have a, you know, of course, if, if somebody comes up, you know, last minute or is like really, you know, we have to, we have to work on something we will. But generally the, let's say the census, let's work not too much during, between Christmas and New Year, right? So I think people will be, definitely less reachable during those yeah. times. Yeah, yeah. And I guess on the flip side, right, you mentioned there were pros and cons. What are some of the benefits of applying during times like Christmas uh, when maybe not lots of deals are going through all uh, the summer, let's say? Yeah, what are some of the benefits in doing it now? I think generally there is less distractions from from other, that can be like from other deals, but also like from events or similar. So I think um, the the investor you're talking to most likely has more capacity to focus on the DD um, yeah. they're conducting with you, right? So I think especially for complex business models that need some, you know, that you don't grasp like right away, like in an instant, you know, um, to, like after two sentences that need more, you know, time and effort and understanding to really you know get the value across that can be like super beneficial for you as a as a startup um i think also you know people probably have more time to also build a proper like relationship with you i think if you're not like back to back to back on calls and you literally have like you know i don't know half an hour or an hour with each founder you're talking to but you do have some you know time to chit chat to build a relationship to even I don't know meet in person um which I think is crucial um to to build that relationship within the investment process um, I think there's maybe also like more time for that and more also more maybe not only just time but also like you know brain capacity if if that's a word you know like that you can you know um have the mindset also to get into into the topic that this um startup is like yeah tackling so i think this is this can be really beneficial um but they're also like you know there are also of course downsides when when you're applying during during off season let's say um but um yeah, I think generally that there there can be actually proper ben be proper benefits to it. Yeah, 
yeah yeah totally I see the downsides being things like like not being reachable right but other than that like what other downsides would you have in mind that are I mean that would be the main thing right people are not actually working so your pro your application may get lost in how many other applications in that time but yeah what are the other downsides in doing it in applying in the summer or applying at Christmas yeah yeah I mean when when somebody's not working and not reachable that that could be a problem um, I think in general, I think generally also coming back to your first question, um, when is the right time? I think uh, because during off-season, decision cycles um, to be longer, right? So I think this is due to availability, which I touched on earlier before, like, you know, but um, I think also, um, and we were actually talking about this um, off mic already, but like this like momentum yeah. that some can help when you're raising funds, you know, I think, um, however, you know, people probably have different perspectives on if that momentum should be, you know, if building momentum should be such a crucial part of your decision-making process or not. Um, I think the, the opinions vary. However, this also depends, of course, on the fund you're talking to, but some funds really thrive on, you know, that momentum that you're building when you, with your fundraise. Yeah. Um, I think this is this is also something that can happen within a fund, you know, getting, you know, everybody hooked within the team, let's say. Yeah. Also, this can also build across multiple funds, you know, for example, here in Berlin, you know, the, the ecosystem is big, but also small in terms of, you know, we all know each other and we talk to each other about interesting companies that are fundraising. And I think um, there is also this moment when like a really interesting company is fundraising that when people, then the people from different funds are all talking about the same startup and, you know, yeah. there's this like, you know, um, a bit like in high school, maybe, Um <laughs> You know, like, have you heard this? Have you heard that? And blah, 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 blah. So I think this momentum gets built also, as I said, within your, within, within one fund and also across multiple funds. And I think um, during off season and also in terms of, you know, lack of availability or apart from lack of av availabilities of decision makers, yeah. especially I think people sometimes, you know, maybe have the let's as i said brain capacity to really deep into your topic or into your company but sometimes i think they also you know are already a bit into the holiday mode which is of course also totally i think normal and also understandable and i think sometimes you know people want to finish existing projects yeah. and are less focused on starting new ones Right. I think this is also can vary so much. So I think some people get that motivation kick in the in the last kind of like sprint, let's say. Yeah. Um, where they are like, OK, you know, I want to I want to finish this or, or I want to finish on a high note, you know, and I want to get one more investment done or, you know, whatever it is. Um, But sometimes it's also understandable that you want to, you know, finish all existing projects and then drop the pen and go into your well-deserved, you know, holiday. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so interesting because, yeah, there's just pros and cons of everything, right? Like anything in life. But I guess, you know, now I've found the right time to apply. I'm a founder myself, let's say. Um, how, like, let, let's say I'm, I am applying now. How, how would you recommend I go about it? Because I think there's, you know, there's warm intros. There's different ways you can approach it. You know, what route would you recommend in terms of just being noticed, especially as a female founder, right? Because we tend to, yeah, there's not many of us, let's say. I'm saying us like I'm one of them, but there's not many of, of female founders. And I think, you know, they yeah. get lost in, in the application funnel. How does it work? And kind of, yeah, how would you recommend people to apply? Yes, yes, yes. So I think there is different aspects to that right so I think generally independently if you're female or male or you know have a diverse background I think um, for me personally pitch events are a great um, way to get the first kind of network kick let's say yeah so if you don't know anybody you um that has like any touch point with the you know vc ecosystem um or um you don't have that personal let net network in your you know in the back that you can like leverage um i think pitch events ideally offline like in person pitch events can be super beneficial and i think there's also a huge variety of different formats i think short pitches where you pitch i don't know let's say five minutes and there's a short q a afterwards where the investor can um, ask you different kinds of questions they they're you know um they want to tackle um, I think this can be a great format because you have everybody's attention, you know, when you're like on a little stage, for example, um, everybody's listening to you. Um, they get a personal impression of you if you're standing there. Um, and I think this can be a great starting point, let's say. Yeah. They can also, you know, approach you afterwards in person, you know, can chit-chat to you if they if they liked what they see, saw. Um this those kind of like pitch events let's say or pitch formats also happen at big big events right so i think there's usually like a little startup competition where you can apply and then you can pitch there at those big events i'm personally not a fan of you know somebody running into me when i'm just running from one appointment to to another and you know you have these always these little um, batches around you where you people can see that you're an investor. And I'm lit- like, you know, when I'm, for example, running to, to something and they just grab you and, you know, they want to have their well-deserved five minutes with all your intention. This is usually, you know, I always feel it's a mix of like, you know, you, you, you know, you want to value that founder's yeah. time want to give them the attention they deserve but then maybe it doesn't literally doesn't fit your schedule currently and you're with your head somewhere else so i i think these events usually have a great way of you know connecting founders with investments through like a slot booking tool so i think this can be really you know great for for the founder and the investor where you know they they can send each other a message, schedule time, fifteen minutes. Let's say um, usually you know you already know where you're gonna meet. Table fifteen, you know, at the investor 
Speed Dating Lounge, let's yeah. say. <laughs> and, and I think that is a great way also to to um, talk to somebody um, and a great route to take when you maybe don't make it to the pit startup pitch stage, let's say. Um, I think here in Berlin and I think also in, in, in London and other cities where there is a lot of, you know, more like a, um, a lot of founders and VCs also maybe in one place, there are usually, you know, quite frequently some get-togethers organized, yeah. you know, by funds, by founder initiatives, by the, by the government sometimes even, you know, between founders and investors where you can really, you know, click even through like an activity you're doing together or like even just like a breakfast or drinks or like some casual get together. Yeah. I think this can really help. Um, and then also, yes, as, as you already mentioned, warm intros, you know, through maybe existing investors you already have on board are of course the, the, the number one, um, <laughs> The, the the number one um, success uh, uh, way or the most successful probably way to go um, but also warm interest through your personal network you know if you already know people from from your uni from from I don't know let's say family and friends network um, from maybe other founders you know that have investors on board already you know i think getting those warm intros can really can really help too i think especially for female founders there have been like more and more initiatives coming up where especially female-led teams are um getting the chance to pitch to investors too um, also female-only get-togethers female-only events um online and offline. Um, so I think those ones are maybe um, also a good way to start from, especially for female founders. Yeah. 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 Interesting. And of course, every fund's so different. And I actually only, well, not only, but I learned this uh, when I was speaking with, you know, different investors, every fund has different um, topics that they focus on and everyone is structured so differently. Um, so how, how do you kind of know which fund to apply to? Um, honestly, I think you should really, you know, conduct your DD yeah. on the fund, right? So on all the different funds, I think um, there is, you know, of course, or I think most of the funds have a, their website, right? So they have like information on the website where it says like high level, what they're investing, yeah. also age, you know, ticket sizes, some overall um, information. Um, and then there's, you know... I think LinkedIn as a social media channel is getting more and more important. I think the big funds are all on that platform. So they have some, you know, let's say the, the they usually have this like website information, let's call yeah. it, and also on their LinkedIn. And then additionally, you can see what are they posting, you know, like yeah. what, they post, of course, the investments they take, um, which are also on the website usually. But then they also, you know, post articles or mappings. Um, they publish. They even, I don't know, post 
podcast appearances where some of their um, team members are talking about um, something they're passionate about in a podcast, you know. So this could also help listening to listening to those ones and see what this particular person is interested at. Um, and I think there's also the opportunity or the, the possibility to screen the different investment team members through LinkedIn, right? So, you know, I think this the information you get on those like kind of channels is can be huge and extensive. So it varies from, you know, where has this person worked at before? You know, maybe you can see some like red line through their CV and see, okay, they worked at different, I don't know, manufacturing companies and or whatever it is, you know. Um, so you really grasp what kind of passion they have, where they have also, the, you know, some expertise. Um, you can even see it through, I don't know, posts they get mentioned in, statements they make, you know, similar similar things on, on LinkedIn or even like Twitter or X, you know. So I think you can really grasp the the interest and the the passion. Yeah. Those team members have right and i think also maybe you know people can um people have their like um bio let's say on the linkedin and you can also like um make place hashtags let's say yeah or um you can i think you can put like multiple like i don't know up to five or ten even so you can really like grasp what kind of like input they also want in their feed so you can really you know take this like understanding back to what they are what they're passionate about yeah yeah and just this, kind of tailoring your application to the person you're applying to essentially you know there's no point like anything in life when you're going on a date or you're applying to a new job you're gonna of course put your best foot forward in a way that is suitable for that person um exactly exactly you really want to know when you're an investor you really want to get the idea that this founder um has really a strong understanding of where you're positioning yourself in the as a fund and that they really did their like let's say dd um on their side right so if if for example a, a startup approaches me and they um you know we invest into b2b software right in the in the german speaking region and if this is like a consumer hardware startup from from brazil i'm i'm just asking myself okay if this is like the the depth of your research you're you're doing when you're invest when you're trying to approach investors where else are you lacking yeah your you know uh so yeah i think it shows a lot about you also as a founder if you're really you know making your um getting your head around the the fund you're approaching yeah no amazing and you know I found the right time to apply I've applied for VC funding I've now got my first call um I've got we actually just brought, uh, touched upon this about knowing your audience but you know how yeah I guess how do you kind of go about this first call because I think you know you have to make a really good impression right it's like a first date you know you want to you know make the analysts understand true true value of your company how you know how does this all happen and, and kind of what top tips would you give to founders who have now got that first call um but they don't know where, where to begin to prepare themselves 
Yes, yes, yes. I think the most important and what I'm also always trying to to tell you know friends that are approaching for funding and they are that are getting this first call it's really knowing who you're talking to yeah and for the the I can't stress this enough like it's so important to know your audience um and I think this is actually also a skill um to know who you're talking to and then explaining them in their level of understanding maybe something for example really complicated in simple terms let's yeah. so let's say you're talking to a visiting analyst that has just joined the company fresh out of uni um this person probably has not most likely doesn't have the expertise you are having in the sector you're operating in in right and the 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 company you're building so i think it is so important to explain something complicated in simple terms that the the person you're talking to really gets the the high level idea of yeah. what problem you're trying to tackle right because i think in general i think it's so when you're losing somebody within like the first minutes, it's really hard to get them back and get their attention back, right? Um, I think, however, if you're starting really high level and then understand the the, the other person's understanding, understanding of your company from, you know, the questions that are being asked to 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 also get a glimpse of what is important to them because this can also vary from you know investor to investor and what kind of background knowledge they have um so i think this this is a skill that you re should really try to leverage um because in the end of the day the person the first person you're talking to this is like your internal champion right if you don't make them understand the value the company and why your startup is you know worth investing in they will not bring it you know to the deal flow call or they will not you know let's say you know um, present it how you want your company to pre be presented so make that person your internal champion yeah um, and I think this is something that is a skill that also shows the empathy you have um, that shows how good of a founder in my perspective you really are um, if you really understand the audience you're talking to and who who you have to win at what stage of the investment yeah. process. Yeah. And I think really grasp that from experienced founders actually. Um that they know and I just actually recently talked to a company that had a that had a huge under, a great understanding of how a VC operates and when you have to win what member of the investment team. So mm -hmm. they knew, you know, now I have to win this associate that doesn't have any expertise in, in, in this field, but I have to make them understand the return of investment they could really get from, from yeah. investing into our company, right? And then, you know, if you're moving forward into the process with the process and you're also talking, I don't know, to a principal or a partner at some stage, you know, they have, a, of course, different expertise, different knowledge. Um, 
then you can dig deeper, right? And then things can, terms can get more complicated. And um, they probably also have a different perspective on what KPIs they want to see and or what they want to want to hear from you. Mm-hmm. And I think really it's great when you adapt your storyline to yeah. the person you're talking to. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like a first date, right? You know, you a first date, a first interview, it's you know, very similar. You have to know who you're going on a date with, know who you're interviewing, etc. Um, because it works both ways. And I think that's why it's so important to really know who you're speaking with. Uh, I actually know you mentioned that a lot of founders are doing this part wrong. Um, what do you think or what have you found to be the biggest mistake founders make in that very first call? Because it's your first impression, right? Um, and if you get that part wrong, like you said, that person may not even put you forward to the deal flow side of things. So, yeah, what's the biggest mistake you've made, you've seen? I think try to convey your message. So the first, so the first step within the investment process is usually that person you talk to or those two people you talk to bringing you to the deal flow call, let's say, where the investment team, broader investment team is talking about your case to different extents. Like, you know, sometimes this can be like a two minute thing for each company. Some VCs, you know, operate differently that they are talking about every company a bit longer. So I think try to assess what is what you want your audience to know for that deal flow call. Yeah. And really try to see if they understood what you wanted to say right yeah so getting if you have the so if you have just this the slight impression that this person maybe have has not understood for whatever reason it is um what you wanted to say you know repeat it or you know send a follow-up email if you go out of this meeting and say like okay maybe you know, I forgot, maybe you forgot something, right? Maybe you just want to emphasize some one or two points again, right? So I think try to identify, you know, two or three points you really want that person to to mention in that deal flow call, if it's two minutes, and then either see if they really understood it within your call or send a follow-up email and then that's it again because also i mean you know we assess so many different companies and if you're preparing for that you know internal presentation let's say um deal flow presentation um deal flow call um you know you look into your notes you look into the follow-up email that person maybe sent you look into the deck again and then you really want this like those points that are important to you as a founder and you really want that investor to understand really, you know, be really prominent in that investors or analysts top of mind. Yeah. 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 I think that's something that's so underestimated as well, because like you said, right, this person is going to be the one who's going to be responsible for bringing you to that deal flow. So if you don't get that part right and they don't understand exactly what you guys are doing, you know, tell them, you know, it's how likely they won't understand the exact business model straight away. Exactly, exactly. And honestly, I think this is something you're working at your company, you've been working on this topic in your company, I don't know, multiple years, let's say, and the person, you know, learns about your company in 30 minutes, or in, I don't know, 15 minutes, or even less, right? So I think and has less, probably less experience on that topic, etc, etc. 
So I think um, this is something you could you should always keep in mind. This is not something that is, you know, um, due to lack of knowledge or lack of expertise or lack of anything. This is just how the job works. You know, we, we see so many different different startups every day. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, just make that person your, your internal champion. I think also um, personal component is always something that you should keep in mind. If, if the person, you know, is comfortable with you, if they even have sympathy for you, you know, this, this can help too. Yeah. Um, and yeah. 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 No, honestly, those are such great insights. I mean, even I'm sitting here learning a lot and I think there's so many takeaways which founders can take from this conversation. Thank you so much for joining me, Isabel. And yeah, excited for everyone to hear about this. Thank you.